Welcome to Worldwide Wonderful Women, a podcast for your living in divine power when yours is diminished. A podcast where encouragers receive encouragement. We understand these are hard times. You may find that it is becoming more of a challenge for you to remain strong as you give of yourself continuously. That's why this is the place to join other women globally who face the same challenges as you. So join us regularly to receive biblical insight not to faint, but to stand strong. This is the podcast to be rejuvenated and revitalized. Now, let's join our host, Paula Harris. Welcome. This is episode number 297 of Worldwide Wonderful Women, and the title of this episode is Liberty in Our Lord, Part 5. Woo! This is our last week to cover this topic from Romans chapter 14. I'm sure you have been challenged whether you have identified yourself as the strong or weak believer in this chapter. We're in a society where everyone wants to be identified as champions, victors, or the strong. Yet, if you have strong convictions and stand on them, it is nothing weak about that. As a believer in Christ, you should have strong convictions. I hope you understand how these terms are being used in this chapter. The terms strong and weak are being used to show a distinction between those who are walking in the freedom purchased by our Lord and those who may still be restrained from fully enjoying the freedom that Christ has purchased by still following religious rules and regulations that are placed upon them. Even today, there are some churches whereby you're only acceptable before God as long as you follow their rules and regulations. It is the same mistake the Pharisees and scribes made and that Jesus spoke so strongly against. Instead, we need to know that we have already been made acceptable to God through Jesus Christ alone. Under the new covenant, faith in Jesus, not following the law, is what has redeemed us. In following him, learning and obeying his written word and the promptings of his indwelling Holy Spirit, we're going to be able to find ourselves living out the kingdom of God on earth as was stated in this chapter in verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're self-centered, this is going to be hard for you to accept in regards to the teaching of this chapter because it's calling for all of us to humble ourselves and to think of others more than we do ourselves. It's important to get before the Lord and ask him to show you how you can live out what has been taught in this passage. To disobey our Lord, to be acceptable to people or a certain group is not going to bless you in the end. Out of my concern for all of us as believers, to be able to have the ability to walk in love, harmony, and oneness of spirit as Jesus commanded, I have been expounding on Romans chapter 14 this month. 
I have been going verse by verse just to keep the entire thought presented in these passages so that you will know this is the word of God and not my own opinion. The wisdom and instruction given in this chapter is going to help all of us to know how to show love to another Christian who may not have the same convictions as you hold yourself. So please go to the previous weeks to get the full understanding of this chapter. The two examples previously given that became a source of contention, judgment, or argument were abstaining from certain foods and second, esteeming one day more important than the other. So, okay, come on, my time is short. Let's pick up verse 19. Verse 19 says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Continuing his emphasis on not hindering another Christian spiritual life, Paul is urging all of us to pursue or to let us make every effort or to keep on pursuing the things which make for peace and the things by which one believer can edify another or build up another believer. So there are two things. You want to do what leads to peace and what is going to help with mutual edification or building up. And the basis of fellowship between believers is not these peripheral matters of eating or drinking, but it's the salvation which all of us enjoy in Christ. Therefore, instead of bickering over inconsequential matters, we should make every effort to maintain peace and harmony in the Christian fellowship. Instead of stumbling others by insisting on our own rights, we should strive to build up others in their most holy faith. So let's work hard toward actions that don't cause hostility, but create harmonious relationship between each other. We must live in a way that promotes peace and builds up the community of believers, which is more important than our freedom. All right, let's look at verses 20 to 21. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat or drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Now, when it says do not destroy, that is do not throw down or demolish. So Paul has already exhorted mature believers to have consideration for the weak believers. We've seen this over and over in this chapter. So here Paul is exhorting the mature believer to identify ways in which he or she can build up those who may be weaker in the faith. To Paul, food and one's personal convictions about it were not so important as the spiritual health of a fellow Christian and the work of God in their lives. God is doing a work in the life of each one of his children, and it's frightening to think of hindering that work in the life of another brother or sister over secondary matters like food, special days, or even some of the other things that we find today. We want to make every effort to not destroy the community of believers, which is the work of God, because of our personal opinions, which often can cause disagreements. Now, even here, the problem is not with the cleanness 
or the uncleanness of food, but with our cause and fellow believers to stumble. In verse 20, it states, all things indeed are pure or all things are clean. Now in this context, all things are referring to food. In a previous podcast this month, I had explained that there are things that are indeed unclean and that we should avoid. The terms here in this chapter in regards to unclean and clean are in reference to food. For the child of God, all foods are now clean, but it would be wrong for him or her to eat any specific food if in doing so he or she would offend another believer or stumble him or her in his Christian walk. It's wrong to insist on one's personal freedom in Christ. It is a thousand times much better to refrain from meat or wine or anything else that's going to offend a believer or cause him or her to decline in their spiritual walk. Giving up our legitimate rights is a small price to pay for the care of one who is weak or offended by our actions. At times, one's Christian liberty must be relinquished for the sake of others. Now, that might be hard to imagine in a day when Christians are fighting over whether or not to wear masks. As Paul wrote to the Corinthians, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 23. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it says, And be careful that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Convictions are fine, but not at the expense of the work of God in the life of another believer. A Christian that knows he is at liberty to do something, but does not for the sake of another, is walking in the love of God. That believer is also living under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so the best thing one who is strong in the faith can do is to build up the one who is weak in the faith so that they too can become strong. And this will never be accomplished if that person parades their liberty in the face of the weak and offends him or her. Anyone who prides themselves on the strength of their conscience and their liberty in Christ should be the first to give up practices that might bring harm to another believer. We know that Christian freedom is real and it's valuable and nobody insisted on it more strongly than Paul. But the exercise of our Christian freedom, as Paul also stressed, must also be brought into submission to the needs of others. Okay, let's look at verses 22 to 23. It says, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. Here the scripture is letting us know that we all have personal convictions in different areas, and we have different views in regards to these areas. And that what we believe or the faith that we have in these areas are very important. Because faith here is in reference to a firm conviction before God that what you believe is right 
So Paul remarks that it is proper to have and to cherish a conviction, but we must not force our convictions upon others. We do not have the prerogative to do so. We must hold that conviction, though, before God. In verse 22, it says, have it or keep it between yourself and God. So a Christian must not insist on influencing a believer with tighter convictions to change to what he believes he should do. It should be something in his own mind, as verse 5 says, for he lives to the Lord, as verse 8 says. Paul then ends his appeal to the strong by recommending that they keep to themselves what they believe about food, special days, or drink that there's no need for them either to eat meat in front of those who might be spiritually damaged by them doing so with an arrogant insistence that there's nothing wrong with what they're doing. You know, and I think that is so sad even with what's going on today where people are just demanding their rights and saying there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. I have freedom to do this. All right, well, what is God saying in this passage? The strong believer should be content with recognizing that it's a real blessing to know that what he approves on these matters is not something for which he needs to feel condemned himself. It's good to walk in the full enjoyment of one's Christian liberty. It's good if you feel you have complete liberty to partake of every kind of food, knowing that God gave it to be received with thanksgiving. But you shouldn't needlessly flaunt that liberty before those who are weak or have different convictions than you. It's better to exercise that liberty in private when no one could possibly be offended. And it is better to forego one's legitimate rights than to have to condemn yourself by offending others. The one who avoids stumbling others is happy or blessed because he doesn't condemn himself or herself in what they approve. That's what the scripture is saying. Now, on the other hand, in verse 23, a Christian who has doubts is condemned if he or she eats. There are those who are not able to approve of the exercise of freedom in certain matters, and it would be a sin for them to do what their consciences are telling them not to do. If a Christian eats food or does anything when he doubts in his own mind as to whether this thing is right or wrong before God, then his actions does not spring from faith or trust in God, and therefore it's wrong. The word condemned here does not mean that if someone violates his conscience by eating that which he feels is wrong, he's going to be condemned or damned to hell. That's not what this means here. Rather, the meaning is that he is condemned in his conscience for doing that which is not allowed. So if he does not eat in faith, believing that it's acceptable to God, he is then eating in sin, for whatever is not of faith is sin. So if your actions do not arise from faith and your own convictions, then they're sinful actions and unacceptable before God. I know what you might be thinking right now. It's true that a person's conscience is not the most infallible guide. It must be educated by the word of God. What's emphasized here in this passage is that everything that does not come from faith is sin. So when in doubt, don't. 
I'll say it again. When in doubt, don't. The strong Christian is wrong if he causes a weak brother to sin by doing something he doubts. And a weak brother who goes against what he doubts also sins because it is a sin to violate one's conscience. So in closing, there are times when we should not exercise our freedoms if we know that we will offend others. This doesn't mean that we must always limit our freedoms, but that we must wait for an opportunity or time when we can do so in a way that will build up others and not break them down. And additionally, whatever we do, we must make sure that we're not acting against our own consciences. Along with this, nobody should force another believer to act against their own conscience either. Again, we all know that many things are clean in themselves, but they become unclean to the one who partakes when his or her conscience tells him not to do so. That believer should avoid partaking at all. As we wrap up, I just want to say, in the kingdom of God, love is more important than liberty. Relationships are more important than observing regulations. The believer is to live in a manner that promotes harmony and edifies or builds up others in the body. All failure to live by faith is sin. That is, it's missing God's aim for your life. All right, I could go on. (laughs) I want to close with reading Romans chapter 15, verses 1 to 7 in the New Living Translation, because it seems to sum it all up. This is what it says. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. As the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as it is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. And all I have to say is amen and amen. Okay, until next week, smile. Jesus loves you. Thank you for listening to Worldwide Wonderful Women. We trust you enjoyed the program. Please take a moment to leave us a good rating and review on iTunes to help us continually encourage others around the globe. We also invite you to go to TWMforJesus.org. That's T-W-M like in Mary, F-O-R-J-E-S-U-S dot O-R-G to download your free gift and see other resources to help you live in divine power. And oh, don't forget to tell your friends. Until next time, be strong and of good courage.